Well, I want to introduce to you our guest speaker today. Uh, he's not unfamiliar to you because you see him all around here all the time. Kiola Lau. Kiola, come on out here. We've been talking for the last, oh, probably three months about a burden God's placed on his heart. And as we talked, I said, you know, this would be a great message for January 1st for people to start off the year on a good note. And uh, this guy, he, we and I, he and I joke a lot because he's a big Vikings fan. He's got his purple shoes on, his purple shirt. <laughs> but I want to just uh, encourage him uh, because, no, no, I'm not giving this to you, but I just want to show you, someone gave this to me years ago, and I've never showed the church for, for probably the last 20 years. Um, see? So, so that's just going to encourage you who to cheer for this afternoon. No, he's got a great team. God bless the Vikings. They've been doing a, a great job. Actually, I like their quarterback, Kirk Cousins, who's a devoted Christian. And, uh, but I'm more excited about what's happening this morning because of what God has done in this man's life. He really is the epitome of our, of our vision, not only saying yes to God, but, but of a transformed, broken life and has now become a relentless, loving servant of Jesus Christ. So I want to say a prayer over him, and, um, and then I'm going to turn it over to Keola. Father, I thank you for this man. I thank you for what you've done in his life. His life is a sermon. And if we just look closely at it and see what you've done, we can't help but say, thank you, Jesus. And would you do that for me too? So I pray that you'd speak through him as you did last service. To those, especially, Lord, on the, on the cusp of a new year, that there is something in this message today to encourage them to lean more into you in 2023, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, give a round of applause for my, my buddy, my friend, my, my opponent. So just so you know, after Darren moves on, this church is going to be a Vikings church, guys. No? I see too much green in here, and I know you guys are scared to wear your orange and blue right now, right? Oh, guys, uh, it's my pleasure to be here before you guys today. Um, it's 2023. Is anybody tired of 2020 and 2021 and 2022? Does it feel like we've been living in the same spell or, you know, the same season for a long time? Does anybody want 2023 to be their best year? Yeah. Well, guys, I have spent this journey that I've been on the last, I would say, seven years, and there's some tools in there that I want to share with you guys, um, because I'm no different. I'm on that new year, new me vibe, too, so uh, it's good to set resolutions. A friend reminded me that maybe instead of resolutions, we make them goals, so I hope that this message speaks to you this morning. Um, I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony, and then we're going to do a little bit of message with that. Um, so um, I'm going to share a little bit of my past. Uh, and by the way, if you guys haven't seen me around, I'm the IT and the media coordinator here. Um, so my job is usually to not be seen. Um, so this is definitely different for me. Uh, prior to that, I accepted that about a year and a half ago. I volunteered here for about five, almost six years. And so Darren shared a little bit about me, but I'm going to share a little bit about my past so I can paint this picture of who I was before God and what God did in my life. And my prayer is that he does the same for you. Um, so a lot of you know my mom and dad, Kanani and Bill. Um, my mom and I are from Hawaii. We're actually from a part of Hawaii that's synonymous with drugs, uh, gangs, um, crime, basically. My biological father was... Uh, a product of my environment. Um, 
he was taking sleeping pills and some form of a hardcore drug, and uh, he stopped breathing. And they rushed him to the hospital, they resuscitated him, but sometime later, um, he's a permanent vegetable because of the lack of oxygen. And uh, he's actually been like that since 1994, and he's been in a nursing home since 1994. If any of you guys seen uh, like 51st Dates, the movie, The 10 Second Tom, he can't even do that. And so I, you know, I pray God can do miracles in that. But what God did for me was he provided a stepdad. And that's the only time I'll refer to him as my stepdad because that is my real dad. Um, and he took care of me in such a good way. But what ended up happening when I was young was my mom was young when she gave birth to me. Um, my biological father was abusive and an addict, so they didn't last long. And uh, my mom ended up meeting my, uh, meeting my dad, Bill. And um, relatively quick, they decided to move to Colorado because he's military, he got stationed up here. And uh, that caused me to be rebellious because at that point in my life, my grandpa took care of me. My grandma and my mom worked, but my grandpa took care of me. And so I felt like I was being ripped away from my family, by my own family. And I didn't, for a long time, I didn't respect my dad. I didn't respect my mom, I was pretty rebellious. And I actually, I went to this district. Um, I had an old coach that was actually sitting here in last service and it reminded me like, you know, I spent more time probably suspended than I did in school. But you know what was weird about that is I actually had good grades. When people found that out, they're like, what? Like you get in trouble all the time, you got good grades? What ended up happening was I got a scholarship, a full ride scholarship and grants and so, <clears throat> I had to go back to Hawaii and uh, go to college, but there's gonna be a theme in today's message that you're gonna see that I want to paint this picture, and it is that the surrendered life, the surrendered life, or the successful life is the surrendered life. I didn't get to where I'm at on my own volition, probably hardly any of it. It wasn't until surrender, which we'll go into, um, yeah, so I ended up going to college and within like two days after graduating high school, I had all this money from scholarships and grants and, uh, that led me to my first addiction. And by the way, if you guys can't tell, or you guys don't get in the theme of this, I'm a, I'm an addict. <laughs> so there's a lot of traits you'll see in my life that aren't specific to drugs. And this is one of them. I was an addict. I was addicted to money because of what I could do with it, because of how I could make other people feel if I did this, right? And so I started hanging with the wrong crowd, and that wrong crowd were addicts themselves, but I was too young to know because I'm like 18 or 19 years old. And uh, <clears throat> basically, those people were the ones that introduced me to my biggest demon, and I spent about seven years battling, and it was crack. I was a crack addict. Not something that uh, you'd expect to hear, but God brought me through that, and I'm proud he did. So um, all this is going on. I'm going to school, and really what's happening is I moved to Hawaii away from my parents, and my grandparents were too old to take care of me. They're too old to watch and keep me accountable. And that's what led to me hanging out with the wrong crowds and 
doing all these things because uh, eventually um, it came to an end, but they didn't know what was going on. But you know what, guys? During that whole time, I just remember feeling empty. Like, even though I was buying drugs and alcohol and we were partying and I was providing the party and it made people happy, I just remember feeling empty. So as an addict, I went and found me another addiction. (laughs) And uh, the other addiction was a sexual addiction. Um, I started sleeping around the party scene I was in. And if if any of you have been to Hawaii, it's an island, so there's not much you can do. It's... They do the clubbing and all that, but the party is the beach. And so I started um, a relationship with a girl who had a child. And two months into dating this woman with a child, I started another relationship with the woman that eventually became the mother of my son. Not a great way to start a relationship. I don't know if any of you guys in here want to take notes on that. Do not do what I did. Um, So with that, the first girlfriend found out, and it came... It ended up being an explosive ending, but the, obviously the girl that became the mother of my child, we stayed together for a little while. And so she was actually someone I liked for a long time, but from the beginning I lied to her. You see, other people thought I was this, I feel so weird saying this, this gangbanger, um, this drug dealer, this hustler, that I started to believe it. And so the picture I wanted to paint for everybody else was I was the man. And things happened if Keola did him, right? And so a lot of pride built into me just because of those things. And uh, in the beginning of our relationship, it was good. But my uncle was murdered. And my uncle was murdered due to some of the bad business we were involved with. And so I went into a real dark period of life Um, I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was looking for temporary fills, drugs, alcohol, all those things. And I don't know if any of you guys have experienced that. And maybe it's not as extreme, but I just knew that that wasn't who I was. What rebounded me was a couple months later, though, we found out she was pregnant. I laugh every time I think about this. Because that guy back then, who had no job, who was selling drugs, selling drugs to his friends, selling drugs to his family, doing it with them, thought he was ready to be a father. (laughs) I know we got a lot of fathers out there. I don't know what it was that made me think, even now, I'm like, man, if I have to do this over again, am I ready, you know? But um, I knew that um, I needed to change. What ended up happening that caused the change is I was going to go on this last party scene run. I told her, you know, I'm going to be legit whenever my son is born. But till then, I'm going on this one last run, hoorah, whatever you want to call it. And that led to me overdosing when she was seven months pregnant. And so HIPAA is, was a thing back then. HIPAA has been a thing for a long time. But I remember sitting in the, the hospital room, and she's there seven months pregnant, And the doctor comes in and says, why cocaine? And I'm like, I want to be mad at him. He's not supposed to say this kind of stuff. When I look back, though, that was God trying to get to me. Like, brother, you can't keep doing the stuff you're doing. It ain't going to last long. I didn't have a relationship with him, though, so I didn't know. And so she's seven months pregnant. 
And I tell her I'm gonna clean up. So for a little while I sober up, or my definition of it, which means drinking on the weekends only. And uh, for a while I was doing good. And then I tore my knee playing basketball and I had to get a knee replacement. And that was the first time I came across oxys or oxycodone. And I didn't like it. That was the good thing, I didn't like it. I'm recovering from this knee surgery and I didn't like the way it felt, so I started smoking again. And then once I started smoking, I started dealing again. And then I started lying again. Well, I was actually lying already, but I started noticing I was lying. And so um, my ex didn't want anything to do with that. And I don't blame her because from the beginning I lied. Um, <clears throat> I needed to try sobering up and everything I, wasn't do- I was doing wasn't working. She ended up catching me finally. To be honest with you, I don't know if she knew the whole time. I think maybe I would have, but I was a good liar, I guess, right? And so I came to a point where for the first time, I was finally ready to admit defeat because she broke up with me. And I loved her, and I have a son with her, and that was my life, you know? Um, And so I didn't know what to do. And something kept telling me I need to talk to my mom and dad. I need to let them know what's going on. And so I reach out to my mom and dad, and they bring me back home, my second home, Colorado. And uh, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of you that know my dad, but when I go back and I look at that, my mom and dad, I didn't see my mom for a couple years. I haven't seen my dad in several. The version of my dad you guys see was not the version I was raised with. (laughs) And we believed in, you know, (laughs) but my dad was different. My mom was different. And I'm like, who are these people? And so they started telling me about Pikes Peak Christian Church. I remember this conversation I had with my mom where I was like, mom, I don't know what to do. (laughs) I think I need rehab and as clear as day. And every time I think about this, I almost want to cry. She goes, you don't need rehab. She goes, you need Jesus. I'm like, what does that even mean? (laughs) I want to show you guys what that means. So I started attending here. Pastor Darren was the first pastor in my life that was able to speak to my heart. Even though I've been through all that crud, God used Pastor Darren to start opening. And then he started using Celebrate Recovery. Um, You know... I thought I was going to need rehab, and to this day, I've never been in rehab once, and I was a drug addict for a long time. That only comes through the power of Jesus, guys. Um, Thank you. So, where I had my ultimate fall, I was smoking so much, I couldn't get high, and I was smoking a lot of money's worth or, you know, amount of drugs, and I just remember this one specific occasion where no matter what I put into me, I couldn't get high. And I knew I was at the end because at that point, I owed money to a lot of other gangs, so I was hiding. Um, Me and the ex was going from breakup to makeup. And so I had what I call my resurrection prayer. And I remember that morning, because I was in a Kia Soul with the sun coming up at the beach, and I hadn't went to sleep in like two days. 
And I said, God, I don't know what my future looks like. I don't know what two days from now looks like. I don't know what two months from now looks like. I don't know what two years from now looks like. But I know you can help me get out of this hole. And that brings me to my first point. In our weakness, his strength is put on display. In our weakness, his strength is put on display. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10, um, it says... My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now that I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults, hardships, persecutions, and trouble that I suffer for Jesus or for Christ. For when I am weak, he is strong. And by the way, guys, I read from NLT. um, So that might look a little bit different, but the context of the message is still the same. In our weakness, his strength is put on display. And so the chapter actually talks about Paul refusing to take credit for a revelation from God. And uh, you guys might have heard this. He was given a thorn in the flesh. And a thorn in the flesh wasn't a physical thorn. It was actually a metaphor for something God placed in his life so that um, in times of suffering, um, God would, or Paul would give credit to God. It says... Uh, He was given a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. Paul learned to be content in his time of suffering since God's power was made perfect in the weakness. Now, I want to ask you guys, any of you guys feel like I felt, and I feel like that every now and then too, where it's just like I feel weak, and no matter what I do, I can't? God will show up there. You just got to invite him. God is right there waiting for you. You just have to invite him. So, you know, I go back and I think about that prayer I made because that was my weakest point where God was waiting for me. And, uh, you know, I want to tell you guys that when God is there for you, God is there for you, it's sometimes hard to go through though. So what I'm about to share with you guys will give you a little bit more insight of how to, because trust for me, and let's be honest, some of us are probably strangers or new here. It's hard to trust a stranger with intimate detail about your life. But you'll find out that happened to me here and it can happen to you as well too. So I had to realize though, in order to be the father my son deserved, I needed to get my act together. (laughs) And uh, I knew that was impossible in Hawaii. And so during that prayer I was talking about, I heard a voice telling me that I need to get back to Colorado, that I need to get back to my parents, that I needed to get back to this building. And I knew, I knew undoubtedly that that voice was Jesus, but that meant that I was going to have to leave my son and leave um, his mother. And even though we weren't together, I still loved her and I love my son. And I can tell you guys this, I don't think I'd be able to make that same decision again today because walking away from a child is not something I imagine anybody wants to do. But God gave me peace in that because I knew he was going to take care of my son. And then I also found out, or I also realized that for me to be a good father, for me to be good to anybody, for me to fill up somebody else's cup, my cup has to be filled first. So if I'm going to try to be a father to my son and I can't, because I can't take care of myself, the equation just doesn't work. So I had to move back to Colorado to, to start working on myself. Now, I say that, but in the beginning... I was just going through the motions. As a matter of fact, the first couple months I came to this church, I was drinking myself to sleep every night. Every night. Because I was 
so depressed and am I ever gonna get to see my son again and all these different things that I was trying to hide. And even though you guys became my family, I didn't want anybody to know that that's what I was going through, that's what I was doing. To others, it seemed like I was doing what I needed to, but there was one brother that could see this weight I was holding. And uh, that brother was able to see something in me that I wasn't able to see in myself. And so what ended up happening was um, he could tell by my Facebook posts, he could tell by my interactions that I was still holding on to something. So I'm gonna tell you guys about this, um, this incident, this uh, thing that happened within the first time of meeting this person. So I get invited to this per, uh, by this person to go to Culver's on Mesa, and he knows my family, he knows me, we're friends on Facebook, but he, we have this conversation, and he asks me, has God forgiven you? Have you asked for God's forgiveness? And I go, yeah. Well, did he forgive you? I go, oh, yeah. Yeah, God forgave me. Then he asks, have you forgiven yourself? And up until that point, I didn't realize I wasn't. I didn't forgive myself. I was enslaved to me. And it took a good brother to help me realize that. You know, that was the first conversation I had with that person. And within the first 20 minutes, I was crying like a baby. <laughs> and uh, it was life-changing. He could see weight on my shoulders, which leads me to my second point. When your heart is surrendered, your feet will follow. When your heart is surrendered, your feet will follow. You see, even though I was weak, I wasn't fully surrendered. I was battling depression. I was still feeding my demons like alcohol. But when I had that conversation with my friend, he helped me see things differently. Scripture all of a sudden started speaking to me. And I remember coming across Matthew 6:24, where it says, no one can serve two masters, for, one, for you will hate one and love the other. Um, you cannot serve, oh, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, and be enslaved to money. Now, in that verse specific, it talks about money. And money is one of my vices, but I like to replace money with some of the other vices I had in my life. And in that time, it was drinking. And so um, I decided after speaking with Armando that it was time to make a change and that it was decision time. And so I want to ask you guys, it's a new year. If we're speaking to God and we're speaking to our hearts, are any of you guys in a position like that? Are any of you guys in a position where you're supposed to stop doing something but can't? It doesn't matter what it is. Or maybe your spouse is telling you to stop something, but you can't. Or maybe your spouse, or maybe God's telling you it's time to start something, but you don't. That's why the surrendered heart is important. Because if you're surrendered, God can take that and use that. If we're battling God, if we're stuck in our own ways, it's kind of like, hey God, I want your blessings. Pour it into my cup, but only the ones I want. Guys, sometimes blessings come with hardship. Sometimes blessing comes with hardship. And so I also had to realize 
My third point, relationship with others is necessary for healing. My healing came from God. My heart was healed by my church family. Complete strangers that I would never think, if you asked me five years ago, 10 years ago, I'd be sitting in a group with this variety of people. (laughs) Kilo would have said, what? Yeah, right, you know? And so I want to give you guys this analogy that I gave to the men. But before I do that, it's important that if you're filling your life with people, if you're trying to heal on that relationship that's necessary I'm talking about, you have to have people who are rooted in Jesus. You have to have people who are rooted in Jesus in your life. It doesn't work any other way. So the whole theme with this message is start your engines, pit crew, right? Pit crew is something I want you guys to take from this. I don't know if I came up with this, to be honest with you, or if I got this from somebody, but the pit crew. So if you're the driver, imagine we're the drivers. This is our life. Our job is to focus through that windshield. Tunnel vision, right? That's what I'm supposed to do. They'll take things off like side mirrors on the car. Um, They'll take off things that add weight. They use special equipment, all sorts of stuff. The driver doesn't do any of that, though. The pit crew does. The driver operates the vehicle, but it's the pit crew that gets that vehicle ready and on the road. And when that vehicle breaks down, it's the pit crew that comes in and helps replace parts and gets them back on the road. So I want to ask you guys, why don't we look at church like that? It's hard to trust complete strangers, but why don't we look at church like that? There are people in here that will be your pit crew or can become your pit crew, but you guys have to open those doors. You see, the driver has to trust his pit crew because there's times where the driver's life is in the pit crew, is in that person's hand, right? They're only looking through the windshield. Life, tunnel vision, we're all looking through this windshield. So when my friends try to tell me like, hey man, you might wanna pay attention to this because you're not, They're not telling me that because they want me to fail. They can see a blind spot that I can't. When somebody, when my pit crew says, or I tell my pit crew, I should say, I'm ready to race, I can go one more lap. And he's going, no, you probably, that tire looks like it's about to go. It's my job. It's my job to listen to the pit crew. It's my job to listen because they want me to prosper, not fail. And so I want you guys to try to start thinking like that. Who's your pit crew? Who's your pit crew? Darren mentioned earlier, we have all these classes going on. Wednesday nights, we're going to have family ministry night. There's going to be a bunch of classes that are designed for couples, for individuals, for your kids. And uh, I'd recommend starting there. But we also have well care classes on, when, on Thursdays that'll be coming up. And if any of you guys are going through harder seasons of life, like losing a loved one, or going through a divorce, there's classes uh, there for you on Thursday nights upcoming. And then for the men, there are a ton of Bible studies. There are a ton of Bible studies. And there's something special going on on Tuesday nights. Because let me tell you, that is my pit crew. And specifically for the ladies, I don't know from experience, but I know there's great ministries. You want to know why I know? 
because I watch the way the ladies serve in our church and it inspires me to walk even harder for Jesus, to be the man of my family, to, to be what scripture tells us to be. I get inspired from the women in this church because I see the way they serve. They have things like uh, mothers of preschoolers and moms next on Thursdays. They're about to have a retreat coming up. And so guys, I'm telling you all this because these are tools you can use. Um, these are multiple things you can do to put yourself into a position to do what we're talking about here. You know, whether we're aware of it or not, we all have baggage. <laughs> we all have baggage. By plugging into one of these ministries, you'll get connected with real people, with real people. doesn't have to be a pastor. With real people, you get connected to them. And then you can start building your own pit crew. That's the people you want in your pit crew because they're in the season of life that's gonna speak to you. But it takes time to develop that trust. Man, does it take time to develop that trust. You don't wanna just give out your heart to a random person. But once you surrender, once you live the surrendered life, then it makes it all easy. Because then the devil or you yourself can't use things like shame or guilt or pride to hold you back. But there's one thing though, and I don't want to scare you guys. You have to do the work. You have to do the work. What is the work? For me, and I, I want to speak this over you, the work is the word. The work is the word. Start with your Bible. Start with reading the Bible. And honestly, I, I'll, I'm up here. I want to recommend where to start. <laughs> Proverbs. Start in Proverbs. I'm going to share a few things from Proverbs that spoke to me, still speaks to me, and helps me in those moments. And the first one is Proverbs 16.3 which is commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And then Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of man plans his way, the Lord establishes his steps. So when we know, like point one, we are weak and he is strong, when our hearts are surrendered and when we have a pit crew, then the work becomes doable just becomes doable. It's just like Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Which brings me um, to my last point. When you make focusing on God a priority, he opens doorways. When you make focusing on God a priority, he opens do doorways. A doorway God opened for me recently, the last couple years, was this job at this church. I was working for a major corporation before that, and I was volunteering here. And through the COVID season, um, I was trying to balance a full-time job and putting probably nearly full-time hours here as a volunteer. And so I was starting to get burnt out. So I knew I needed to take a break. And so I went back to Hawaii for the first time for vacation to go see my son, to go um, see family. But you know what's crazy? God had work for me down there. I'm like, wait a minute, this work, does it ever stop? Guys, it's graduation's eternal life, so we'll be doing this until 
the end of our earthly days. Um, but I was trying to balance all that stuff. And then when I went to Hawaii for this break, God had me make amends with a lot of people I had wronged. And I thought I was going down there for just me and my son. And I promise you guys this, the old Keola could not have done what that Keola did or this Keola did because of things like pride, because of things like shame, because of things like anger. I don't expect you, uh, don't expect me to say sorry. I expect you to know it, but I'm not gonna say it. That's who I was. And when I went down there, the people that I wronged the most, my grandma that I stole from, the ex that I lied to, I could look at them in their face and make amends and my heart grew even bigger. So God started revealing more things to me um, after that. So I came back and uh, my good brother Jesse back there, I love you Jesse. My good brother Jesse called me about an interview for a new full-time job, a new position. And I go, okay, I come in. And uh, by the conclusion of the second interview, I said yes and walked through God's door. And so, friends, I tell you that because God doesn't just do that for me. The church needs more stories like this. God wants to do that for you, and he will do that for you. You know, I had the desire to share with you guys for a long time, a long time. And through this last seven years of ministry and counseling, I believe God's given me an ability to see when other people are holding weight because I know what that's like. A good friend reminded me recently, you have to give it to God and you have to leave it there because sometimes what we try to do is pick it back up. We try to pick it back up. In Philippians 2.13, it says, for it is God who works in you, or both to will and work for his good purpose. You see, once surrender took place in my life all those years ago, all these things that started happening, I felt like they were happening on their own, exactly as the verse says. I had a lot of the skills I have now, prior to coming to Christ, but there was no life, there was no purpose in it. It wasn't until I started using the gift God gave me for his purpose, for God, where it became alive, where I started to grow. And now I'm in one of the best professional seasons, one of the best personal seasons. And guys, I'm in the battle too. Your pastors that come up here, they're in the battle too. One of the things I battle the most is I view it so much from this seat, not this seat. I view it from where you guys view it from. You guys are my sheep. I'm your sheep. I want you guys to be able to take some of these lessons and really take 2023 because this will be your best year if you guys decide that. If you guys decide to surrender, it will. <clears throat> the last piece of scripture I want to share with you is one when I first heard that confused me. It's Matthew 6:33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And I didn't know, the part that confused me was all these things. When you surrender, all these things can be added to you. You see, 
I have a feeling some of you are like me, where you make these plans in life and you got all these goals and sometimes they happen. Most of the times you just watch it go by. For me personally, I make a goal and sometimes I don't even make the step. And so if this is a new year and this is supposed to be a new us, we need to move towards that doorway. We need to move towards that doorway God has opened for us. So guys, I don't know what kind of season you're in. Maybe this is your first time coming to church. Maybe it's your hundredth time or whatever. But if you've been coming and you haven't surrendered to Jesus, your first step is to be baptized. It doesn't matter if you guys want to do it right now. If God is speaking to you, you just need to move. We're going to have prayer partners here in a little bit that are going to be up front. And I wanted to do something different because God also told me we're a church that's going to meet people where they're at. So there's going to be people walking the aisles. And all you have to do is raise your hand if you want them to come and talk to you. And that's all we're going to do. Or maybe you're like me a few years ago. (laughs) Where this is all weird. And it's new. And maybe you just don't want people knowing your business. So we'll have people in the back. You don't have to go up in front of anybody. Let's say you guys already did that. You've given your life to Christ. But you don't serve. (laughs) If you guys have been going to any church, you guys know churches survive on volunteers. You can bless other people by what God's gifted you with when you volunteer. And then the third thing is if you check the first two boxes, but you haven't checked the last box. What is that last box? You baptized, you got, you, you serve. Tithing, giving to your church. I wanna tell you guys thank you because of your giving, because you guys planted seeds for a guy like me to be able to come through and have a celebrate recovery but the work doesn't stop there, guys. There needs to be more Keolas. Not not because of Keola, because Jesus. We need more of those stories. People need to see the miracles. This world doesn't believe the same way this building does and the people in it. And sometimes our faith gets shaken. But I can tell you guys this, always through all of it, God is good. God is good. So I want to invite you guys No matter what season you guys are in, whether it's I have questions and I need to go talk with somebody or I need to find out about serving, there's gonna be um, some tables out in the foyer. You guys can find out a little bit more about getting into ministries, um, opportunities to serve. But I wanted to take this moment and honor Jesus. I wanted to help you guys start 2023 with a bang. So we're we're gonna sing a song. My good friend Colton here. Is gonna sing. Is gonna lead us in a song. And if any of you guys have questions, there'll be a lot of us walking around. Don't hesitate to ask. Thank you.